It's about the tools we use. It's about the stories we tell. It's about how we change. It's evolution, baby. All right, and we're back for another episode, and I am once again thrilled to be joined by my now frequent co-podcaster, Michael Porcelli. Welcome Hi there. back, my friend. Hey. Hard to believe it's been over a month, month and a half since our last episode. Somehow May just evaporated into the ether for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you had a great idea that I think we can both speak to and explore from firsthand experience today, which is around this idea of, of purpose in times of crisis. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since we last recorded, I think that we could argue that there's a couple more crises (laughs) that have been layering into um, our culture here in the United States right now. And that the pandemic itself, while we have kind of reopened up, um, most mostly throughout the country is it's still just here, right? Like the same virus is impacting and, and spreading through the population in the in the ways it was before. Um, and to some extent, I think you know it feels like oh we're through it, but I think this is going to be one of those kind of sustained things where even some of the you know second order consequences are just just starting to fire up terms of decisions in the culture and politics and very much in our own lives. I know, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to dive right in here. Yeah. And uh, I, I know for me, I was pretty shocked uh, last week to step on a scale and be like, holy crap, I put on 10 pounds in two months. Like I, I kind of had a sense, you know, I'm not working out much. Um, we were ordering in once or twice a week to just kind of try to support some local restaurants and it, it just really hit me like, wow, uh, that came fast and was kind of an eye opener for me in terms of needing to kind of get my, my physical practice back online in a meaningful way. Um, but the, the irony is, or, or not, that uh, I actually hadn't been exercising for about a year before that, but somehow I had just been maintaining, but it was just like the little shift in, in, in COVID pandemic time, like radically changed that equation for me. And obviously things changed pretty fast in in two months. But so, yeah, I wanted to um, just dive into this with you and, and, you know, what kind of inspired you to, to feel this topic as one we could explore and how's it shown up in your life? Great question. Um, I would say in that, you know, before the killing of George Floyd and then the racial unrest kind of coming near the end of May, I was reflecting on like what my journey so far in the time of COVID had been like. And I was recognizing like to some degree I was all over the place. In other ways I felt actually more like almost adrenalized, like ready for action, you know, kind of excited in some ways, like what difference can I make or how can I be, you know, show up in a positive way for the people in my life that I know and love. And I think actually, in a way, us hopping on these podcasts was an expression of that. Like, well, let's put our voices into the mix in a way where we might be able to make a difference, not just between the two of us, but for the circles of people that we know. And um, the other piece I was recognizing was, um, you know, the the backdrop from the day to day is nearly the same. Like I'm traveling less, socializing less, you know, there's less, you know, going out and doing things. And with that kind of like um, similarity across time for a very long time, it's it, it actually has to do with um, certain aspects of our psychology. Like it's easier to, to notice more nuanced differences. Um, it's also kind of easy to kind of, I almost feel like a relax felt my system, like a relaxing or an unraveling of like these socialized personas that would, you know, I'm used to kind of deploying 
for sustained amounts of time. If I'm, you know, in groups of people and social circumstances or workshop settings, like I, you know, spend a lot of my time, you know, or delivering consulting in person, there was just less of that. So in a way, there was just more time with those those things kind of relaxed. And I was naturally finding myself like just falling into uh, a deeper curiosity and even some of my uh, interest in spiritual practice that has been with me for a while, like got a little more activated, more in, more stimulated. And I was just kind of like, you know, cause I was, you know, it was heavy, you know, I was, I was noticing like tears nearly every day in some form or another, you know, seeing the video of George Floyd just caused me a huge amount of anguish. Uh, then we had this whole scenario where my dad ended up going to the emergency room from his nursing care facility and kind of a thing we had to deal with there. And I'm like, all right. Like it's almost felt like I needed to have this foundation and the, the circumstances were like kind of orchestrating themselves almost without me having to try to make it actually almost simpler, maybe not easier, but simpler mm -hmm. to go back into practice, into introspection and um, discovering maybe uh, or rediscovering or reconnecting to a sense of my life's purpose and meaning and what I'm here to do in this life. And, you know, where's my motivation coming from in, in a way that is, it's bigger than just me and my own immediate needs. And that actually kind of organizes everything, you know? And, and um, I'm not saying like, woohoo, I'm just kicking butt. I almost <laughs> feel like I had to, you know, to just deal like to the centering myself. I'm like, yeah, I'm, uh, you know, day to day centered enough, you know, under you know, the, in the before yeah. times, but now I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I, I know I'm ca capable of being even more centered than I have been. And circumstances are making it easier to have more time to be centered. And I, and I want it. It's like almost like a gravity. Well, just, to this search include whoa. mental disorder, occupational burnout, caregiver. Google's stress. talking to me right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it, it almost just like I was falling into it in a way, you know, sometimes I feel like I have to work towards spiritual practice. And sometimes it feels like I just sort of fall into it. Like my soul is drawing me in there to do it. Yeah. That, um, you know, one of the many hats I wear is, um, leading men's groups and coaching men. And one thing I have noticed through this pandemic um, is that despite the stress, many men I know actually have liked it, like actually liked having to stop doing all the stuff out there mm -hmm. for that, th these kind of moments of being able to slow down and reorient um, and not feel like they have to be obliged to do social things or work things or travel. Right. And I, I have, that's been a little less true for me just because of the situation I came into the pandemic on of having just had a newborn baby. Like I was already basically quarantined in the sense we weren't, you know, socializing, going out much. Yeah. Um, but what, what I like about what you're speaking to that I've certainly felt in, in, in myself and many men I've worked with at least is, is right. The, the pause. Yes. Right? That there, there was this like huge pause that I don't think we've ever gotten this sustained on this scale before, you know, and that's not to say there aren't people in society who had to keep working and, 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 you know, we're out there, but a larger percentage of people than I think ever before suddenly had an availability of time that they maybe didn't have, you know, previously. And the interesting thing about those pauses is they can a be a relief for me, but they can also be a little confronting in that, the second I do get to pause and slow down, it's generally when I personally start to feel more like actually what, what is it? What's been, what have I been feeling? What am I feeling mm -hmm. about myself, my life, where I'm going? And also where I begin to really, you know, have had to dial into. And when we unpause, where do I want to be going? 
Because, you know, a lot of my life as a, I'm a, you know, I could argue I'm a pretty intentional, conscious person who's Mm -hmm. tried to create a life, you know, that reflects a lot of his values. And I'm just as guilty as anyone is like getting caught in kind of a rat race of then there's this thing and then this thing. And it's just kind of like going and doing without that, those like moments to pause and find that intentionality. And, you know, I can say for me, one of the pleasant surprises um, that I've had in this experience, which I do not think would have been the case a year ago, definitely not two or three years ago, was for the first time in my life, um, a, oh my God, I actually feel okay in this because I feel on track. Like I actually, Mm -hmm. for me, I feel on purpose. Like uh, all the work I was doing pre-pandemic in some sense became even more important during it. And I was already doing it. And it was like, the, the group coaching I'm doing, the men's groups I was leading, they were like, I forget because I tend to, you know, I lead that stuff in our authentic relating communities and some of our population. Like I've just naturally always had these kinds of moments of connection and group work and, and things and even some of it virtual. But for a lot of guys, you know, coming to my men's groups, like that was it. Like the two hours of men's group they had with me was they're like social connection. And it was in, you know, I got some very nice feedback and just appreciations from men. So that excited me um, in that, like, Oh, it feels good to be kind of on purpose. And then, you know, I've also been spending all my time editing uh, a film series I shot last year. So that felt really good. You know, like, Oh, okay. Had I not shot that last year and then looking into this year of, Oh my God, I don't know when production's going to come back. Like no one really knows what that's going to look like and it could be a year or two off, I would be like tense about it. But yeah, for me, it's been interesting of, I really feel I've been on purpose on the one hand. And then the other thing, which I think our dialogues definitely were a part of for me as well was realizing and having to own, there was like a, a part of me that was kind of, you know, starting to, to voice certain things that like, when is the leadership or when are people going to like complaining about certain ways of being not showing up in our leadership in the world uh-huh. and having a realization as things went on, it's like, Oh fuck. It's time. It's like, it's time to step up instead of just criticizing other people. Like where could I be stepping more fully into the conversation, letting my point of view be known. And for me personally, a shift I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is where am I willing to be unliked? Um, which is yeah. as an Enneagram nine, like me, the territory I did not like to often swim in. <laughs> Being unliked. Yes. Yeah. I loved hearing your story there. And I, I want to add in another thing. I think there's a way that, you know, listening to what we've said so far, you know, it may be relatable for some people like the pause, and like, oh, like there's like a quieting or there's an introspection to it. But, you know, maybe for a lot of people that are out there kind of like, yeah, shit's more crazy. Or like, hey, I'm out of a job now. Or you know, money's running out. Or I'm having to get like all these kind of financial aid or assistance or move back in with, you know, family and close friends. And I, I want to bring in this idea of stress back in. The external stressors that are a core part of the thing I want to talk about today. Because it's not just having the pause. right? There's this concept. It, it shows up in all kinds of different places in psychology. Like one is, um, this one is not even psychology. It's this guy called, he, uh, he was an endocrinologist called Hans Selge. He wrote a book called The Stress of Life. He was trying to make a a unified theory of like organismic stress where um, it's like when the stress, if there's not enough external stress, you are kind of bored, right? And then as it kind of goes up, it can be really focusing. And then when it kind of goes to a too much place, then kind of this distress takes over. But that middle zone is like this idea of like eustress. And it's actually related to this, chemical idea called hormesis which is it, all these are like the idea of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger like this idea that yes. there's like a response curve to a certain kind of detrimental stimulus that actually like like working out and tearing down muscle tissue to build more or the way that the immune system works and responds this 
this pattern appears all over the place. And some people have tried to extend this into this idea of psychology where, uh, you know, different people have different set points or different amounts they can tolerate. And sometimes their baseline is way different than other people's baseline. And, you know, you and I have kind of the privileges that we have or the, the resources that we have available, or even the years of practice that we've had kind of getting ready for this type of thing by doing our work around purpose kind of gets us ready for this thing. But, but moments like this can actually be, be generative. They can be activating that zone of the, the hormetic response zone is also called like the eustress zone. It's not distress. It's eustress. Yeah. Uh, it's growthful stress. And I think people might be experiencing that. And this is kind of what I want to uh, like connect to people who may be experiencing this, this type of moment where uh, the, the circumstance getting harder is actually clarifying, right? The nonsense that really is like maybe habits or distractions or certain kinds of relationships or a career that you didn't like anyway, that you just got laid off from all of these things can be just like, clarifying it can actually be generative and actually help you tap into what you might say is like more of a deeper expression of your authentic self or maybe even you know if you have a spiritual worldview it might feel like a more uh authentic spiritual dimension of yourself coming through under you stress anyway i'm curious about your thoughts about this what kind of stories you're hearing or experiencing oh uh, i think I mean, totally right. So a lot of my uh, perspective today will, will come from my men's work background and right, which has really influenced me in, in my thinking and the ways I make meaning in the world and totally right. I mean, one way to think about everything that's happening, uh, um, you know, depending on different scales is it's, it's disruptive and it's introducing a lot of instability into our systems a lot there's probably more instability right now in all of our major systems in our personal lives than a lot of people have felt in a long time right i don't know if my some people right unemployment here in the us ends in i think a month right the the extension and there's a huge amount of uncertainty around that um but the you know the the thing right as as a coach and a men's work guy that that's interesting to me is instability is often also kind of correlated with possibility, right? Cause yeah. there's actually new things that can emerge in that instability. So it can be a place where there's a lot of new birth uh, to, to some extent and that having that instability and that, that forced stress, like to me, right. It's what's very clarifying to, to, to us human beings often, which is kind of it's mortality, it's death right? It's mm -hmm. what I think might go on forever may not go on forever. So do I want to be doing what I'm doing right now when I die? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's a question that wakes up a lot of men I work with and has woken me up right now. Like if I died, if I got COVID and I died three weeks from now, you know, would I die free? Like, fuck it. I, I played all out. I did everything I could. I didn't, you know, maybe I didn't change the world or I didn't succeed in everything, but I know in my heart, I did my best to give my all so I can die free. You know, that's certainly a place I yearn to be in my life. I'm closer than I've ever been. Not quite there yet, but closer. And that, um, so that clarifying energy in the, in this instability, I think coupled with, yeah, it is, it's stressful, Right. Um, I, I think there's a, th there is that you stress to that and that's how we grow. I think right in the work I have, uh, in my background, that's like, you know, one of the things you'll hear talked, you know, spoken a lot about in men's culture is, um, bringing back ritual, ritual hardship, right. Which was part of most indigenous populations and tribes to help mark the transition between from boyhood to manhood, right? We're yeah. going to literally, you'd be living with the women in certain tribes. And then one day the men would just come take you and you would be with the men yeah. and you would be sometimes thrown in some pretty ritual, um, situations of, you know, um, 
fasts or sun dances or you know all kinds of crazy different meditations or hunting or these different things that were intentional hardship introduced on your system because it's in hardship we discover who we are and what we're capable of in my experience yeah. right and and the goal with you know ritual hardship and the fine line i think we're all dancing right now is that we want to stretch not tear <laughs> Right, I think is what you're speaking to is right. There's a certain level that's actually alivening and strengthens our system too much, and you know it breaks down and collapses. But that um, I, I fundamentally believe that's an incredibly important thing. And you know, speaking on as a coach, mm -hmm. I can say something. Something I've often seen is sometimes the guys I work with that have a hardest time creating meaning in their life. Um, are the ones that don't have to do anything. Yep. Right. Like they, they actually have, they, they got an inheritance or sold a company early. And there's like a lack of that kind of good stress on the system. So they don't actually have to mobilize and it becomes a really challenging place for some of the men I've worked through. And I, I don't mean to like just discount that it's a challenge for a reason because there's no system like engaging you versus, um, you know, like firsthand part of my experience has been like, I have had to get more productive during the pandemic and since having a child in December, because I do not have the time I used to have. Yep. So when I have my hour to do something now, like I, I have to do it. <laughs> like it, there's a stress because if I don't get it done, then I don't have a choice. Like, so I've mm -hmm. become more productive. I would argue in my life in less time because of these, this like stress actually in a way. And, you know, when I first asked my wife to marry me um, a couple of years ago, I just had this click where I was like, for me personally, I'm not saying this is going to be true for everyone, but for me, it was like, I know my next level of growth in becoming a man is going to happen in starting a family because mm -hmm. I, because I had done 10 years of just total freedom bachelorhood where like I didn't there were, and I wasn't getting any more stress from that system causing me to grow if that makes sense. But I knew being in a family, I would have to like deepen in a way and become more responsible with my time in a way that I was really struggling to do <laughs> on my own truth be told. There's, there's so much in what you said. And I mean, there's so many different ways we could go. I loved hearing you share about this and how it's been for you and even how you kind of anticipated it becoming, you know, as you started this family with your wife and how that was already kind of underway, like in, in a way, yeah. um, you know, it's been a continuance of what was already underway, like under COVID and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for you. Like, I feel kind of jealous in some ways. I'm like, yeah, bro, do it. Um, I can definitely say that uh, it's much easier being, well, I don't have a frame of reference other than friends, but being quarantined with a sexy hot wife and an amazing cute infant daughter, it's it's not hard at all, uh, right? It's, it's it, there's some stress in the timing, but it's, it's, there's so much life. There's so much connection every day for us and our family that I'm like, Oh my God, I'm glad we didn't wait. Like, yeah. I'm so glad I got to go into this experience having them. Yeah. Awesome. On the, on the theory level, I want to, I want to hit a couple of things that you said early on. I'm going to hit just rapid fire. A few of them I heard. One was this idea, like if I die, will I be happy that I'm doing something that I won't feel like free and clear or in the sense of like, I'm living on purpose, even if I die of COVID by the choices that I'm making right now. And I'm like, that's so clarifying. The thing that I heard in there also, was you said like, well, I may not be able to have all the impact I, I, I aspired to in my life, but I would still feel good about what I did. And like, I think there's a part of the, when we talk about this, uh, what you call it the, the purpose meaning dimension of life, right? You could think of these as kind of like the, the pinnacle of Maslow's hierarchy or, you know, what, what some of these uh, other kind of more spiritual psychologists talk about, like, you know, Victor Frankl, you know, discovered his logotherapy while he was under the stress of being in a concentration camp. Right. And like this idea that like 
the his ability to choose the meaning of the events was the thing that cannot be taken away from any person. And like that 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 choice for meaning and purpose is always available for anybody, whether the circumstances are good or bad. But but part of a common theme at that level of purpose is that it is uh, in service of something uh, above and beyond your own immediate short-term self-interest. Uh, you might even say, like, you know, bringing in some of these developmental models you and I are, are talking about, it's like, as your psychology develops over time, uh, there's an emergent unitive kind of tendency where less and less there's this dichotomy between um you know what's in it for me and what's in it for others like you know what i'm saying like selfishness versus selflessness you know it's kind of like well i can be self-sacrificing or I can do something for me and like you know as our as we mature come into these more wisdom kind of insights uh the difference between self and other in that way becomes less meaningful and you know so what you're what you're doing of of course we're gonna die not having fully given our gifts because the like like if in productivity like a goal or a project there's an end date you know and it's done right but the motivation is coming from the aspirational purpose which in a sense, almost by definition, can never be fulfilled, right? It's like, a, oh, it's the direction, totally. it's the fuel. That, and it's like, if you don't have that in a moment like this, it can be real hard, it's sort of like, you know, tumbling into addiction or how many video games am I going to play now? Or how many movies am I going to, how much Netflix am I going to watch? You know, you kind of like, you know, and I sort of imagine maybe people who have a plenty are still kind of, spinning a little bit with all the distraction that they can have. But I'm like, if, if that's you and you're listening, I just encourage you to be like, notice the ways you're kind of getting bored, even with all the distractions that you have, right? And just let them unwind, right? Like there's some possible discomfort in there that you're not wanting to feel, which is probably the ways that you are already out of integrity with your deeper sense of purpose. Yes. A hundred percent. I, I, yeah, that, that lines up with so much that I've been trained in, uh, how I work with men in mm -hmm. particular and how I've started to orient my own life and that, you know, I like what you said in there, like out of integrity and, um, I think that that was something when we were preparing for this, you mentioned that, the fascinating thing right to me about covid is that it, it's it's like a integrity accelerator in the sense of uh, heightening and accelerating dysfunction is yes. how i might argue it right anywhere that a system isn't in, in full integrity with itself covid is like accelerating its demise personally in immune systems, you know, I, when people say if you have comorbidities or if there's inflammation or things underneath, like it seems to really hit that the hardest. And then our systems and our institutions and our businesses, right? The, the, um, the, uh, the, the big podcaster, uh, Scott Galloway, right on pivot keeps talking about, uh, basically what's happening is any of the business, um, trends you saw happening over the next 10 years, they're now happening in this three months. Like it's just everything that was dysfunctional that was going to take 10 years is now being compacted, right? What's happening to retail, what's happening to office space, like so many things are just telehealth, like suddenly all these new things are, are happening. But that um, knowing that in ourselves, I think, right, tying it back into the pause, that's where I think the pause can be confrontational. I, I'm glad I actually had some experience pausing because of my practice in life and training with other teachers before that, in that, you know, a lot of times why we don't want to pause, like I said, is that's where we have to slow down and feel. And oftentimes that's where whatever's out of alignment, like we're getting a clear message, right? Uh, either physically in pain in our body, emotionally, in relationships with our partners, like there's 
all kinds of information we're constantly getting about where we're in integrity and where we're not, or where we're out of alignment. And that the pause, you know, when you can sit, at least when I've been able to sit with that discomfort, um, that's where the, the relief comes though. Like when we can really sit with it and like, oh my God, this is what I have to do next. And what I love about what you said that dovetails into, you know, how I've been taught and work with men is it's not about accomplishing it. It's just about moving in that direction. Am I moving in that direction in my life? Um, And that's so been so freeing for me to finally be in a place where I'm like, I am moving in that direction. Oh, I wish things were happening faster. I have all these stories about where I could be right now and how much more, but you know what? Especially if I look back two years ago, four years ago, six years, I am very much moving in the right direction. And there's something really nice um, about that, that, you know, for me, where there is a relaxation that I had not had before of like, oh, I am moving in the right direction. So there's a a part of my nervous system that can like, ah, exhale a little bit, but that, that, yeah, noticing that out of alignment and that, you know, this is where I'd probably also like to maybe get your thoughts on, you know, I, I help guys figure out purpose work sometimes, right? Like what's your purpose? And, you know, I I'm trained in the lineage of David data where purpose is like such a big thing and it's actually a stressful thing for a lot of men, but that <laughs> there is something to knowing what direction I'm going in life. Like as simple as that, not that like, I'm going to create this nonprofit that does this less about those like specific missions, but like, here's what I care about and I'm moving towards in the world. Um, and that in my experience, in literally in the purpose I'm, I've found in my life, right? There's, and I would argue for many people, there's often a correlation between our greatest purpose and our greatest pain. So the, the, the most challenging things we've experienced in our life, right? That because we've experienced them or moved through them, we're uniquely um, suited to guide or help or shift how others have those experiences. And so for me, right, is someone who um, didn't have a lot of connection growing up and found that connection initially in mass media. What do I love to do? I love to create connection for other people and create mass media that, that give, you know, gives people feelings. Uh, yeah. That's like what I do, you know, that's, and the, the work I do with men on dating and relationships, why do I do that? Because I was a very in pain, 26 year old virgin who had no idea how to talk to women. Like, mm-hmm. and it was a huge journey for me to get through that. And that's one of the areas I feel like I can help men. I was like, Hey, I was here. Then I got here. Here's kind of how I did it. Um, I want to help you with that if you want help. And, but that, that, those threads of, you know, the pain and the, and the purpose or something. Uh, I'm curious if you find that at all in, in your emerging purpose and, and how that lands. I, I would say that's totally right on. Like, I mean, sometimes the metaphor of the oyster, like the irritant is the thing that turns into the pearl. Uh, I think that's a, a common one that I used to offer. And, and when I reflect on it in my own life, very similar story about, you know, feeling so much frustration, pain, and confusion just around intimacy with women that that sort of drove me on this like intense, I, I just like looked under every rock and tried so many different things, including ending up in psychotherapy, including getting a master's degree in psychology, including where <laughs> we met each other, getting into authentic relating and circling and the authentic man program. And it was totally transformational for me. And then that became sort of part of what I now offer uh, to other people. And it's, it's kind of funny if I were to, you know, advise the people who are like listening or considering like, so there's part of like letting go of whatever it is you're doing to kind of disrupt the distraction. Um, there are rules of thumb. There's like many gateways through it. You could think of like actually moving towards pain or just getting curious about your pain experience. Like, why is it so painful? And actually like being willing to like, um, kind of do this kind of thing where, where you sort of ask yourself a question um, without thinking you know the answer that you're going to say to that question before you ask it. Well, what's so painful about that? And then 
actually seems like there's new words that come forward or come through when you're writing. Um, so moving towards pain or getting curious about it. Um, I think there's kind of like this yin yang aspect of it. Like you talk about like that David data, like find the purpose and move towards it. So in a weird way, there, there's a, that it, it's like a, I think of it more like a, there's an engine, right? There's like, um, whatever the purpose is, like we said, it will be always perpetually unfulfilled, but it manifests sometimes in terms of like a near or midterm goal or project, like to build a company or to write a book, right? It's like, that's my thing, right? Like, um, I, my, my degree was from the University of Santa Monica and in your second year, you did like a big project where it's like well, something you've always wanted to do. And some people would like write a book or climb a mountain, like, or lose 50 pounds. Like they would go for a thing like this because then, um, if you have the, if you have the engine set up, it's almost like a, like a two stroke engine. You could think about it as the, like the masculine energy or the feminine energy, or you could think about it as like goals versus learning. You kind of like move towards a thing hit resistance or something goes wrong or you bail out or something. Then you do the thing I said before. Isn't that interesting? Like there's something that I probably don't even know about myself here mm -hmm. that I could learn about myself or my personal history. Uh, maybe I'm reminded of a thing that happened in the past is sort of like a psychologizing way of thinking about it. Maybe there's something I'm just, coming to understand about the, the way the human being works, like a, a deeper sort of insight. Um, but you could start the engine on the other end where if you have a pause, right, or you're just sort of having a general sense of discomfort and distraction that's just there, not because you're moving, moving towards pain or moving towards a goal and hitting resistance. You're just kind of like, those are kind of like the, so what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of my life? Like these kind of questions. But those questions often are paralyzing, you know, and I find it's actually more interesting to just ask, like to just be like, what's here right now? Like, uh, I'm doing that exercise where the guy told me, like to like ask myself about my purpose. Okay. And then, and then, you just, and then, right? Like, well, I feel this jitteriness in my stomach. Uh-huh. And then, right, you just mm -hmm. keep, um, it's like whatever it is that you attend to in this way, this is sort of the yin path in, so to speak. It, yeah. It, it's not like it's like the goal will necessarily like appear or emerge out of it, but you will suddenly have in your own psychic space a sense of clarity and centeredness. And then sometimes a goal or a purpose will sort of emerge but like the the purpose really is in a certain sense just having the two-stroke engine operating like mm -hmm. move towards an external thing reflect and sort of digest and metabolize the experience on the inside and like people change their freaking purpose all the time right it's like you have a baby and life gets reprioritized for you almost right but yeah. that doesn't like it's not, it's like the purpose is still your purpose it's almost just like a a nameless thing that's sort of at the center of your being that you either are attending to it or ignoring is the way that i think of it i think that's so true and brilliant um yeah, attending to it or ignoring. It. I think that's the freedom, right? That I was speaking of, of like, if I know, if I'm in integrity with attending to it, mm -hmm. right? Which I'm closer to right now. There's still, there's still some pieces I'm not, you know, fully engaged myself and I'm playing it a little safe and small, but I'm closer and I, I can feel what it's going to mean when I'm like, I am fully attending to that, right? And how I could die free in the sense of like, I was attending to it the best I could with the best resources at my disposal at that time. I love that. And then the not attending to it, you know, I do see this a lot. And, you know, one of the first blogs I wrote um, maybe five or six years ago was, I think, again, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in some generalizations here because I tend to work with men. Um, but that I think for men in the masculine, you know, I always kind of make this joke that, for, um, 
you know, women, biological um, females, hormones kick in for a lot of them at a certain age. And there's like a biological clock, right? Mm -hmm. That not all women, but certainly a, a good portion of women can speak to having that experience. So suddenly there's like a, a, a feeling of urgency that I actually do want that, you know, I, that does feel like something important in my life. I have found, and I found in myself, there's one for men, but it's a purpose clock that starts turning up in intensity. You know, for me, I, I really started to notice it around 30 by 35, it was really hitting. And every year past that, it, and it's actually almost kind of like a pain, like a, a, a purpose pain. That's like, I know I'm not, it's not, I'm not attending. And the two strategies are attend to it, or as I did for many years, and many of the men I have to coach through are numb and distract from it, right? So I'm going to drink, play video games, watch TV, jerk off, uh, the different things. So I don't have to get to that point in my nervous system of turning in, like you said, of just like, what's what's going on here? Like, what, what's there? What's there? What's there? Which at some point can, you know, for me, became so fiery that it's like, oh, when I'm really with it, <clears throat> what's destabilizing about it again, when I come back to it is I actually have to live my life differently. Like for me to fully feel that and, and like not just disperse that it's like, oh shit, I have, it's time to live my life differently. Yeah. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to create a men's coaching program. I don't know how to do right? Like, and that's so much fear comes with that for me to some extent, but there's like a, a knowing that I have to, because if I don't, it's, I'm just going to be suffering. I'm just going to be suffering. Yeah. I love that you said that. I've, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I, I have said this to friends in moments where I'm like, I feel like I had like the male equivalent of the, of the female biological clock. Like I have to like give birth to a, some entity or something uh, that feels ever more urgent as I age. And, and as you've shared, as you were sharing, I was just feeling the, the purpose pain and there's a little bit of an anguish to it. And as if I move towards it, um, it's kind of interesting. Like there's, there's sometimes ways where maybe a metaphor here's like, there's, there's different qualities of fuel, right? Like, like you can burn a cleaner fuel or you can burn kind of a dirtier fuel. And in the personal growth industry, there's a lot of this moving away from pain is often the thing that gets your ass off the couch to start doing something. So actually, you know, turning towards it sort of like almost like red lines your pain or it just becomes like, oh my God, I got a fucking whatever. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you like, you know, it's like Rocky or something. Just like, throw on the shoes and I'm going to just run. And then you just like run and you come home and you're like, blah, why did I do that? I'm just going to pump that iron and then like fucking throw out your shoulder. Like, I mean, there's risk in doing it that way, but at least you're kind of like bursting forth from something like pattern interrupt that thing. Like, so you don't totally. fall back asleep. And if you feel enough of the pain, you'll kind of bounce out of that. But I do find like over time, and I don't even know, maybe this is, doesn't even, you don't even have to wait for this to happen. Like you can, you can go in and through the pain just through this introspective thing. And like actually in there is um, something that feels more like grief, like anguish. Um, if you have a like, any kind of relationship to like a higher power or God, it will feel like um, something like God's saying like, Hey, I missed you. Or like, Hey, where have you been? Or like, I'm kind of like, Oh my God, like, how did I, you know, that, that feeling of the prodigal son returning home or something like that. This kind of like, maybe you'll feel like feelings of guilt or regret or um, like you've missed yourself. You know, there's like this kind of like release that sometimes comes with like tears or something like that, where it's like, where did I go? Why did I forget this? Because when you start reconnecting with it, it feels like, well, this is the most important thing. Like by definition, it's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Like, what have I been doing with my life to forget about that most important thing? And like, that to me, it's sort of, um, 
I don't even think the grief or anguish is necessarily the cleanest form of the energy, but like that's what I'm talking about, the inquiry into it. Like there's the pain that maybe has you kind of like explode into action. But if you're going to sustain it like in a clean energy way, mm -hmm. this kind of goes to the ritual thing you we're talking about too. It's like the rituals of, you know, maybe creating the eustress. That's one version of a ritual thing is super good, like developmental ordeals, these kinds of things. But then there's also another kind where it's like, let me pause to recharge, right? Let me, and sometimes the recharging is simply just digesting like what happened. And sometimes for me, it's like, wow, that, that really hard thing, I got in that argument with my partner. And like, now that, you know, she's in that room and I'm in this room and I'm just reflecting on what happened. It's just like, oh, I got angry because I was afraid. And I was afraid because I imagined this, mm -hmm. this particular future would happen. And I'm imagining that particular future would happen. felt like I went to a state of panic and then I had to like protect something. Right. And then just kind of like you unravel. It, and then finally, like underneath all those layers, just like, well, what is there? It's like, I love something i love someone or i like sometimes it appears like these spiritual qualities like loving it might appear like something else but like whatever that yeah. is is like it is like a purely good powerful thing that is just like naturally springing forth from the inside of the being inside your own being and like reconnecting it when you've been disconnected from it can feel it can be many different flavors of feeling as you kind of go down those levels. But once you're there, it's like, of course I would just do the thing because that's exactly what the most authentic part of me wants to do. Mm -hmm. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Just, just feeling that. Hmm. appreciating those moments I've had in my life and the ones I've gotten to experience with others. You know, there is a, you know, there's, there's a, fa a fascinating thing. I feel like this is like just adjacent to, in that, you know, some of the, some of the times I've led like deep shadow work for men, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you get into like the most pure places of fear or loneliness or overwhelm, and like you actually touch it, like finally just be with it and touch it in this way. How amazing it is that, you know, in that true um, inside out fashion, when it un uh, releases, it doesn't just release one way, like the pain's coming out and then suddenly there's an insanely funny joke. And, yeah. Right. And it, it's, and it's like, at, when I first started experiencing this in deep work, it was like a little like, holy shit, someone just relived, you know, the ex some intense experience of physical, like things that were like, Phew. but then there was like levity coming through and it was a little disorienting for me at first. But I, I, I feel like it's an expression of, of kind of what you're talking about of like, there's a, you know, I've always felt in my heart of heart, like the primary emotion for me is that happy, sad. There's just something so heartbreaking about life. And because of that, it's really worth living life, right? Like it's the, you know, the, um, yeah, that purity of being that none of this is going to last forever. And there's an inherent like grief to life because of that, yeah. right? Yeah. Just knowing that the best moment's not going to last forever mm -hmm. to me. And that, you know, uh, I think I made an Instagram post somewhere. I don't know if I came up with this, but you know, one of the many phrases that kicks around in my, in my head um, has always been, you know, a warrior's heart is always broken it's just because yeah. that's what it means to have your heart open to the world. And, you know, I used to think about this um, as such a, I'm going to go on a detour here just for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I always thought would be such a fascinating exploration of the character of Superman which I thought they touched briefly. I, I was like excited when it almost came up in the Superman returns in 2006 or whatever was like, what would the psychology be to know that no matter you're un unlimited, 
but no matter how fast you move, you can't save everyone. In any second you take for yourself, you are choosing death for other people. Like just, ah, oh, like the, the PTSD of that, right? Yeah. But the idea that, you know, that would be a warrior's heart, right? To just know there's just an endless amount of suffering and I can only deal with a small slice of it. And yet I still have to laugh and love and, and whatnot. And anyway, that was a bit of a tangent, but I, I, this is so my jam, man, this, this space, this energy. I love when it comes through songs. I love when it comes through movies. I love when it comes through relating to my closest friends. Yeah, totally. Totally. And I, you know, there's something to kind of go back out to the system or the collective briefing with it. It's like, there's a way, uh, I don't know if it's just like, you can call it the malaise of the postmodern condition or late capitalism or whatever the fucking nihilism. Like th th this, the 20th century was such an interesting example. Like I've thought about like, what if we're kind of at the beginning, we're sort of like living through some, like, this is like 1915 or something like that. And then like the next 25 years are going to be fucking crazy, right? Like maybe that is true. Like maybe we're just right at the beginning. This is not like, okay, hey, we're going back to normal next year. This is like the beginning. Well, and we, we think, wow, what would have been like to have been one of those people that lived through that time, right? Well, I mean, some of these things that we're talking about, like, you know, Viktor Frankl discovers logotherapy or rediscovers the spiritual psychology while he's in the Holocaust or, uh, you know, the, the, the Erwin Yalom starts with existential, uh, therapy after that, which is kind of like, well, you can go down the nihilist rabbit hole where you're sort of like, you can deconstruct and see, okay, it does seem like there's some intrinsic meaninglessness to reality, right? Or any kind of thing you want to say is the meaningful thing. I can find a reason why it isn't, right? Like somehow, right? Like, Yes. You know, there's almost like a philosophical conversation that stretches all the way back to Socrates through Nietzsche, all the way up to the postmodernists of like, you can take it down, you can destroy it. And if you stop there, that sucks, right? Like, sure, it might be, life might be sort of meaningless. You can't just like, you know, go look it up somewhere. Life is meaningful, yeah. but life has this weird quality that it's like, if you choose to make it meaningful, it becomes meaningful. <laughs> right? Totally. And sometimes that yes. choice to make it meaningful, sometimes it doesn't even seem like you're the one who's choosing it. It's just sort of like starts to emerge once you get, be, if I just said like, just be as honest as you possibly can be with yourself. Okay. And that's true, but that's kind of bullshit still. Keep peeling the layers until you get to the most honest part of yourself. And that part I assert from this perspective will simply choose meaning and purpose. It will generate it and it will orient you towards it and it will choose to move you towards it. Like, why? I don't know. That's just sort of the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're spiritual beings having a human experience. I mean, that might be the way that you want to like summarize that. You can summarize it in other sorts of ways. You, you know, you could say like, but whatever, like stopping at the nihilistic moment is sucky. And it, it's destructive, right? Like, and there's people who, I mean, you, we could be sort of like, you know, this, what do you want to call it? This sleep maybe that we've been in from like the post-war era in the 1950s. Maybe it's something to do with generational theory. Like all the people that actually remember that are all mm. di di died off right now, yeah. you know, in the way that they kind of like made sure that we didn't topple into like total civilizational chaos all over again was, is now sort of evaporating out of the, collective and now like the it's time for a yeah. whole nother generation learn the same thing right and it's like oh shit like well if that's what's happening like we're gonna need to refine the thing that makes this worthwhile not just in some kind of external you know it's all about some kind of ideology right it, but it's some other yes. thing which is the thing where it's like yeah, like go inward. Like it's it is there. The pause and the stress of COVID and the racial tensions and who knows what else is going to happen. It will like it's like it will drive you there if you just let it. It's sort of just like yeah, just feel how freaked out. Like 
you if yeah. I said, what if this is the beginning of something that's like World War One and then the Spanish flu and then the Great Depression and then World War Two and like guess what? The rest of your life, these next two decades are just gonna be this crazy or crazier. And if you go like, ah, oh, no way, I can't accept that. Feel that feeling and just keep feeling it. Right? Mm-hmm. Because like you don't know if it might be. But like, do you want to be stuck with your pants down if it turns out to be that way? Do you want to just like try to distract yourself from that possibility as long as you possibly can? I mean, you could. Yeah. But then if it does happen, <laughs> you will be one of the people with your pants down. Do you know what I'm saying? Like when the when the moment gets tough and the time to like a metaphor, it's like, you know, like uh you are you gonna be one of the people who hides the Jews or turns them away? Like, I mean just say you're like in, mm-hmm. you know, Nazi Germany as a, just a metaphor, right? Like when that tough choice comes, which it might, if shit is just unraveling right now, are you congruent in your own character to be like, I will make that choice now? Because it will be easy to just be part of the thing that sort of perpetuates yeah. the chaos or the meltdown or, you know, these just clashes of we're in this middle moment of this moment of like power dynamics just clashing at civilization level shit and it's gonna just it is already grinding up many lives and it could get much worse so then the question is are you ready for when it starts to come in and it just impacts your life directly and the people that you know or not yeah i got heavy there i think one of the missing You know, one of the things that struck me about that is, you know, for an intense experience in, in, in my mind, right, to one of the things that for me helps it not be something that's just traumatic, but is, was it meaningful? And so that the, the danger of that nihilist energy that is so present right now, right? Like, it, I feel it. Like, I really... I really feel it of like, if we go through all this and it doesn't ha- go anywhere meaningful, like the the level of trauma, you know, I think it was one thing I was writing last week. Like if I was a university right now, I would be quadrupling my psych department and getting ready to create an army of trauma therapists who know how to work with people somatically because of just what we're seeing in the streets, what people are experiencing at home, you know, some things I think we're going to get into um, in a future episode and what's unraveling in our society. But that, um, you know, that the need to make that, to make that meaningful is to me to kind of tie it back into what you said before is like what I'm really missing in leadership right now is the piece that can speak to that, that human spirit underneath it all, that place, that happy, sad, that grief, that none of this is guaranteed to work. We're literally just making this up as we go as a species, as a people. And that, you know, love is always a choice, right? That like, it's, it's a choice. Do we want to try to make things better and have this all go towards something? you know, for our kids, for future generations, for, I would say it's always available. It's just always available if we allow it. Yeah. And that, that, you know, it's, it's been hard not feeling that leadership in a way where, um, you know, I've been watching and and digesting and reading a a lot about the civil rights movement again, and just how intense of a time that was, but there was such a clear vision for what we're fighting for what level of human dignity and that some of that I think is just getting lost in the pandemic now in particular and the left right divides and da 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 and it's like I don't know I'm just missing it and and and, and yearning for us uh, individually and collectively to wake more up to that that deep knowing inside of you know I'm here to do something mm-hmm. that I don't have to do but what makes it meaningful is if I choose to do it. Totally, dude. Hmm. This is a great place to wrap, I think. I, I love doing this with you. 
it sort of feels like we're both sort of speaking something that we want people to really um, pay attention to. Like the leadership you're talking about that's missing out there. Like hopefully this is us expressing with our own voice and in our own words, this kind of, you know, if it's a call to action, maybe it's a call to purpose. It's a call to like, and maybe even reassure people like it's there. Like this is not actually totally hard. Like, I mean, it's, it's challenging, but it's not like impossible. It's just like, Oh, you just sort of like, it's like, it's just like falling back into your essence. And yeah, I, you know, and it, the last thing I'll close with my experience of purpose, which, um, Moving towards it has actually been one of the scariest things for me. So one of the reasons I avoided purpose was because, well, if I never really try for it, I can never really fail at it. And so like, I don't have to feel the pain of that thing I always thought I was meant to do. I wasn't able to do it or whatever, you know, whatever that story is, um, which is how I often, and a lot of the guys I often work with relate to feelings, right? Like, oh, I can't, I can't go towards that grief or that it'll just destroy me and overwhelm me. But the freedom that actually comes from going into it yeah. on the other side is so, oh, so delicious. <laughs> so the only way I can put it of just like, it's not easy. It's not pretty. It's not stable, but it's delicious and freeing in a different way. And so absolutely, um, you know, I think this is a call to action to, you know, share with us what it, this episode brings up for you and, um, it's, it's time. It's just, there's so much opportunity in, in what's happening in the world right now for us to, there's so many places where love could be a choice right now that it's not necessarily being chosen that I would love for us to keep exploring as a community together. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Special shout out and thanks to Screaming Witness for the amazing intro and outro song. Check them out. <laughs>